Warning, this episode contains content that may be disturbing to some viewers. Viewer discretion is advised. There are plenty of things you just can't buy in a store. Sometimes you can get them from a flea market or yard sale, but you have to wonder about its history, who it belonged to before you, what it meant to them, and what they'd do to make sure no one else would ever have it. Do you have anything like this lying around your house? James Dean was an actor on the rise. In 1955, at only 24 years old, he was just about to have the world at his fingertips. He had purchased a brand new Porsche Spider, decked out just how he wanted in order to make the car unique to him, and it was affectionately named Little Bastard. He showed off the car to many of his friends, one of them being actor Alec Guinness, who took one look at the car and told James that it looked sinister, and said to him that if he got in the car, he'd be dead in a week. That was on September 23rd, 1955. On September 30th, seven days later, James Dean was dead. As James raced down the highway in the car he loved, he collided with another vehicle that had been turning left across the highway. His neck snapped and he sustained massive internal injuries, killing him almost instantly. Though his acting career was cut short, it was because of this crash that he became a true legend. George Barris, perhaps the most well-known car customizer in the world and the man who customized James Dean's car, bought the wreckage. When it arrived at his garage, it slipped right off the truck and crushed a mechanic's leg. But this was only the beginning. George Barris had sold parts of the car to two physicians who were looking to add a piece of the legendary vehicle into their own cars. In October of the following year, the two physicians proudly got into their cars to race one another. One of the vehicles spun out of control and hit a tree, killing the driver instantly, while the other locked up and rolled while going into a curve and nearly killed its driver. It seemed that little bastard was cursed, but to better solidify the idea, There's much more room for tragedy. Two of the Porsche's tires were unharmed in the accident and sold off, and they simultaneously blew out and landed their new driver right in a ditch. Even thieves who tried to take a part of the car as a souvenir were met with injuries. George Barris decided, in light of these events, that he would keep the wreck stored away from that point forward, but was convinced by the California Highway Patrol to loan out the vehicle for a traveling highway safety exhibit. This, of course, only led to a severe injury when the car had rolled off its pedestal and landed right on a student. And aside from the fact the garage it was being kept in burned to the ground, the car managed to claim other lives while it was being transported. One of the more mysterious events surrounding the car was when it was on display in New Orleans, and upon its pedestal, broke into multiple pieces without any explanation as to how. The following year, the car was yet again being transported by truck to another exhibit, but when the truck reached its destination, it was discovered that the back was empty. Little Bastard had vanished and has not been seen since. Paintings, works of art to hang on the wall that add character to any room they're in, and they all tell a story but some stories are a bit more heated than others. The Crying Boy was a painting by Bruno Amadio, 
a painting so popular that it was mass-produced and sold at a relatively high demand. Bruno had painted many pictures of crying children, and as legend has it, painted portraits of orphans in Spain. That was, of course, until the orphanage burned down. The crying boy didn't receive any notoriety until one day when a Yorkshire firefighter contacted The Sun, a British newspaper, with an odd discovery. He claimed that an alarming number of homes that had contained the crying boy painting, or a variation of it, had burned down. However, this wasn't so odd considering the painting was so popular that it could be found in many different homes. However, there is a bit more to the story. The firefighter said that amidst the scorched ruins, many of the crying boy paintings were unharmed by the flames and still kept their integrity, even though the intensity of the heat was strong enough to reduce just about everything else in the home to ashes. The instances continued to occur, houses continued to burn, and the sun was there to report it every step of the way. Some people even tried to test the curse by throwing the painting into a fire, only to find out it wouldn't burn. There are still many questions left unanswered, while many people refuse to hang a picture of a crying child in their home. But perhaps the most haunting question of all is, what is the child crying for? Is it for themselves, or is it for you? There are rarely things more comfortable than one's favorite chair. A familiar place to relax after a hard day's work, Thomas Busby was a drunk who knew these comforts very well, as he often enjoyed having a few drinks while sitting in his favorite chair. But Thomas was a hot-headed fool, and this would lead to his demise. He reportedly worked as a coiner making counterfeit coins, where he partnered up with a man named Daniel Audi. Thomas would soon fall in love with his partner's daughter, Elizabeth, and Daniel did not approve of this. One night upon returning home, Thomas found Daniel sitting in his favorite chair. They argued over Elizabeth, and Daniel promptly left, threatening to take his daughter away from him. That very night, Thomas approached Daniel's home and violently murdered him in his sleep. He was eventually caught, tried, and convicted of the murder of his former partner. Sentenced to die, legend says that Thomas cursed his favorite chair on the way to the gallows, saying that anyone who sat in it would meet a swift death. Since that point, it is said that anyone who sits in Thomas's chair does in fact die soon after. The curse even inspired the name for the inn near where Thomas's body was displayed, called the Busby Stoop Inn, where the infamous chair was kept. Locals would often challenge each other to sit in the chair, but none of them would sit in it themselves. But everyone makes mistakes, especially in an establishment that serves alcohol. A chimney sweep who had taken the dreaded seat the night before was found the next morning dead, hanging by his neck from a gatepost just outside. Airmen would often partake in services of the inn, and some of them would unfortunately sit in that chair, and any of them that did would never return home from their missions. Even when it was purchased by a new owner in 1968 who held no belief in curses, the chair continued to live up to its legend. In fact, a number of fatal accidents associated with the chair made a believer out of the new owner and led him to lock the chair up in the cellar, but it still wasn't safe. A delivery man from a local brewery had taken a seat in the chair while he was down in the cellar. On his way out, he told the new owner that the chair was far too comfortable to be left in the cellar and should be kept upstairs. After leaving, the delivery man's truck went off the road and he was killed. At this point, the new owner had donated the chair to a museum, which has kept it in its rightful place, nailed to a wall high enough where no one can sit in it and there it will remain. No matter how much people may beg to have an opportunity to tempt the curse, the museum strictly states that the penalty for doing so is death. Online auctions are the perfect place to find pre-owned items for a great deal. But some things just are never worth it. 
no matter what the price may be. Kevin Manis had visited an estate sale where he got his hands on a very peculiar box. The box had belonged to a Holocaust survivor and Kevin was immediately intrigued. He purchased the box and brought it home, but it proved to be more than just any old antique. Upon opening the box, Kevin discovered that it reeked of cat urine and the items inside made little sense to him. The contents included locks of hair bound with cord, a small statue, a dried rosebud, two 1920s pennies, a small golden goblet, and a single candle holder. All of these items were supposedly involved with exercising demons. The truth of that old box was that its owner had apparently sealed a demon referred to a dibbick inside the box. She was allegedly attacked by the demon when she and some of her friends had conducted a seance. And Kevin had just opened it. He began having horrific nightmares involving an old decrepit hag. Anyone who happened to stay in the house with him had similar nightmares as well. Perhaps still a skeptic of the supernatural, Kevin decided to give the box to his mother for her birthday, and upon receiving it, she promptly had a stroke. Having had enough of the box, Kevin sealed it and put it up for auction with a warning. But for some, warnings only served to make an item more tempting. The Dybbuk box had been purchased by Jason Haxton, director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine. It didn't take long before Jason was having issues of his own. His body broke out in hives and welts, and he began coughing up blood. He reported that even his wife had broken out in bloody, weeping sores when she had come into contact with clothing he had worn while he was trying to contain the demon back inside the box. After tormenting him and his family for long enough, he eventually consulted with a rabbi to seal the demon back in the box. Apparently, this was successful, and since then, Jason has hidden the box and refuses to tell anyone its whereabouts. Funny how much meaning someone can put into a simple object. But I suppose we all have things we'd never want to part with. Some things just aren't meant for anyone else. There are some things out there you should really just leave alone, not get involved with whatsoever. And curses are good at teaching us those lessons. Unfortunately, that's always a lesson you learn the hard way when it's much, much too late. Sometimes, well, just about all times, a body is best left to rest. Utzi, also known as the Iceman, is one such body that a number of people may have regretted discovering in 1991, deep in the ice and snow of the Alps between Austria and Italy. The body was in remarkable condition for its age, which is believed to be in the area of 5,300 years old. It was a monumental discovery. He is Europe's oldest known natural human mummy and provided an insightful look into the past. It's believed that Utzi, who was named after the area he was discovered, was a hunter while he was alive, but all evidence suggests that he had met a violent end. It appeared as though he had been shot with an arrow before having his skull bashed in. If this contributed to the negative things that occurred after his discovery, no one knows. In the 13 years following the Iceman's discovery, a number of people associated with his discovery have died. The fastest one occurred just the following year when the man who put Utzi into the body bag was killed in a brutal car accident on his way to a conference held to discuss information on the Iceman. 
Soon, the mountain guide was dead from an avalanche. After that, the man who filmed the Iceman being recovered was killed by a brain tumor. The man who actually discovered the body was later found lying face down in a stream after plummeting from a 300-foot-tall cliff. The head of the rescue team who found that man's body died of a heart attack an hour after his funeral. Five people had died and questions were swirling in people's minds. The head of the Iceman investigation team at Innsbruck University, Conrad Spindler, denounced the curse, saying it was a load of rubbish. Six months later, he was dead. And the final victim to date, who discovered human blood on the Iceman's clothes and weapons, died of a hereditary blood disease in 2005, a disease he was diagnosed with the year after the discovery of the Iceman. So whether a curse truly does exist or not, the real mystery lies within who Utzi was and why did he meet his own untimely demise. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. The original Poltergeist films are seen as timeless classics in the realm of horror. A family known as the Freelings deals with ruthlessly evil hauntings that threaten the lives of their loved ones. But the horror didn't only exist on screen, but off screen as well. The famous trilogy is said to have had a part in the deaths of four actors within six years of the first movie. This included Heather O'Rourke, one of the staple actors in the entire trilogy who played Carol Ann, the daughter of the Freeling family. Heather began to grow very ill and was misdiagnosed by doctors and prescribed incorrect medications that made her cheeks appear puffy, which could even be seen in the final Poltergeist movie. Heather never got to see the third film, as she went into cardiac arrest and died during surgery before it was released. Julian Beck, who played a frightening old man in the second movie, died of stomach cancer, and Native American actor Will Sampson, who also starred in the second movie, died from post-operative kidney failure. One of the most famous cases was the death of Dominique Dunn, who played the oldest Freeling child in the first film. She was brutally murdered by her boyfriend the year the first film was released. Some of the other actors involved in the Poltergeist movies would note that filming the movie was incredibly difficult and some things would occur without any explanation, such as when Jo Beth Williams, who played the mother in the trilogy, would return home and pictures on the wall would be crooked. She'd fix them, then return the next day, only to see them crooked again. It was puzzling for some as to why such misfortune would envelop the production of these movies, but some of the mystery seemed to be solved when it was revealed that the skeletal props used in the movie were actually real human remains. It said Will Sampson blessed the set one day after filming to attempt to rid the production of evil spirits, but whether or not that made a difference isn't exactly clear.
A 15th century silver Italian vase dug up from the earth on a man's property in 1988. Most people would feel that they had just hit the jackpot. That was until a small note inside would be discovered. The note read, Beware, this vase brings death. Apparently this didn't concern the man that found the vase, as he discarded the note and sent the vase to auction, and for it, fetched over $2,000. The story goes that the vase was once a wedding gift for a bride on the eve of her wedding near Napoli, Italy. But tragedy struck before the woman could be married as she was murdered that very night before she had the chance to see her love at the altar. The vase was allegedly passed down through the family, bringing mysterious death in its wake. Eventually, the family boxed the vase away, and it hadn't been seen until it was unearthed in 1988 and sent off to auction. The vase continued to pass from person to person, and it was keeping up with old traditions. A pharmacist was the one who bought the vase from the auction. Allegedly, he was dead three months later. A surgeon then purchased the vase after that and died a couple of months later, at the age of 37. An archaeologist eventually took interest in the vase, buying it, and died two months later. It supposedly even went to another person who also died, before the vase was sent to police in an act of desperation. And the Bassano vase has never been seen since, but it's believed it has been reburied in an undisclosed location. The beautiful thing about art is that it tells a story, but sometimes that story can be a rather unpleasant one. Sometimes art is created on the stroke of inspiration without any thought to the possible consequences. Laura P., a successful painter, and James Kidd, a commercial photographer, met for the first time at a gallery showing in Tombstone, Arizona in the 1990s. Laura was fascinated by one of James' photographs, which had an accidental double exposure of a stagecoach, and to the left, a figure that hadn't been in either picture James had taken, the figure of a man missing his head. James said that Kodak had concluded the image hadn't been manipulated, leaving the mysterious figure unexplained. Entranced by the story, Laura asked if she could paint the picture, to which James agreed. But as Laura began working on the piece, life became a little stranger, and Laura felt a great uneasiness around the painting. But Laura wasn't alone in her discomfort. After putting the piece up in a business office, the workers claimed they would find the frame crooked every morning, despite straightening it every night, and things went strangely awry around the picture. Laura reclaimed the piece and set it against a wall in her garage, after which the roof right above developed an unfixable leak. After moving the painting, the roof stopped leaking, but the strange happenings continued. Objects were thrown from walls, and things broke without reason or explanation. One particular evening, Laura claimed she set a salt shaker on her kitchen bar and left the room, only to return and find salt spilled all over the floor, but the shaker standing upright where she'd left it. The phenomena followed her from house to house for years, and Laura, who did not have children or pets at the time, said she still doesn't believe in ghosts, but she regrets ever creating the painting for all the trouble it's caused her and those around her. Thank you. 
Artists pour their heart and soul into their work, their blood, sweat, and tears, sometimes literally. Sean Robinson of Cumbria, England, lost his grandmother in 2010, but gained an inheritance that included several of his grandmother's possessions, including an unsettling painting titled The Anguished Man, which shows an abstract humanoid figure caught in an eternal scream. Sean's grandmother hid the painting in her attic for 25 years, believing it was the source of an evil shadow she claimed stalked her. She also maintained that the unknown artist infused his own blood Blood with the paint and killed himself immediately after finishing the piece. Being a skeptic, Sean was quick to brush off any claims of the supernatural and hung the painting in his home as a conversation piece. But it wasn't long until Sean, his wife, and young son felt unnerved by the painting. All three family members felt a constant weight of dread and anxiety and always saw a shadow at the corner of their eyes. At night, they heard a man crying wherever the painting was hung and doors opened on their own. Sean filmed the activity and uploaded it to YouTube, hoping someone might recognize the piece and know more about its shrouded history. But despite over two million views on Sean's channel, no one has come forward with more information. Skeptics argue the anguished man is simply a hoax born of Sean's imagination, citing the video's bad lighting and camera quality and the possible use of trickery to fake the activity in the videos. However, Sean remains steadfast in his conviction, and despite multiple offers to buy the painting, he says it is not for sale and that the danger far outweighs any price. Hoax or not, the Robinson family reports feeling much safer now that the painting has been locked away in their cellar, where even the dog refuses to go. Purchasing things online with the single click of a button is certainly convenient, but with convenience comes risk. In 2000, a mysterious painting labeled as Haunted appeared on eBay. It featured a young boy standing next to an eyeless doll with several disembodied hands behind a glass door. The painting itself was eerie enough, but it was the seller's ominous warning that disturbed online shoppers. The seller explained that their four-year-old daughter was terrified of the picture and claimed to see the boy and the doll arguing at night before crawling from the confines of their canvas to enter reality. Sometimes her father also claimed to see the same thing. But the seller's story didn't deter buyers. The listing accumulated over 30,000 views and was shared all across the internet before being purchased by an art gallery owner, Kim Smith, for $1,025. Kim herself didn't have any experiences, but other people claimed to have felt faint, nauseous, or just generally uneasy around the picture. Many thought that even seeing the image online had triggered disturbing events, demonic whispers, blackouts, and feelings of being controlled by an outside force. Kim tracked down the artist, painter Bill Stoneham, who said the piece, called The Hands Resist Him, represented the other lives hidden within a dream realm versus a harsh reality. Though the painting wasn't meant to be frightening, Bill did recall a strange occurrence. Chris Feingarten, who had commissioned the piece for his gallery, and Henry Seldes, an art critic who wrote an article about the painting, had both passed away within a year after the picture's first gallery showing. Since the painting's rise to internet fame, Bill has completed two commissioned sequels and says that while surprised at the response, his paintings can sometimes resonate in others, opening an inner door to something 
much, much darker. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the Seriously Strange podcast so you don't miss what we've got in store for you. Watch the shadows and stay alive out there. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says support the show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way because we can't do this without our listeners' support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care and enjoy your next episode.